the world feels like, um, of, like we're living in very uncertain times at the moment, doesn't it? It feels unsettled. It feels difficult. Um, and every week, it, sometimes every day, that we turn on the TV or we listen to the news around us, we can't believe that there's something else that causes us to feel sad or another thing to add to our list of woes. And never has a psalm felt so relevant as the psalm we looked at this morning in our prayer meeting, Psalm 139, when it says, God, you know my heart and you know my anxious thoughts. You know my anxious thoughts. There's so much anxiety, worry, fear around at the moment. And we could be forgiven this evening for asking a question, why? Why, God? Why were you allowing this to happen at this moment? Is he trying to get our attention? I don't know. And you might be hoping that I would just be able to give you all the answers tonight, but that's not um, what we're going to do this evening. We're just going to have a look um, at this story a little bit and think about our own story too and the world around us. So a common question that is asked time and time again, you'll have heard this so many times, if God is good, why is there so much suffering in the world? Why is it so hard, the world? And this isn't a new question, This isn't a question that is only happening in our generation today because it feels quite tough. This is a question that has been asked over many centuries, right back in Jesus' day, right back in that first century. The same question was asked. Here in the book of John, we watched, but you could read along and you could read that this incredible, little bit of a bizarre story, I have to say, watching Jesus spit into his hand with mixing the mud and putting it on the man's eyes, a little bit of a strange story, um, but he received his healing from Jesus. And not only did he receive his physical sight, but he received his spiritual sight. His spiritual blindness was removed as well as his life was transformed by Jesus. You know, there's a well-known saying, I'm sure you've heard this before, that seeing is believing. You know, if you think, if I saw that happen, then I would believe it. But in this story, it's the other way around. It was believing was seeing. This man received his sight and was able to see things that he had never, ever seen before. Sometimes we hear this story and I think we take it a little bit for granted. But, you know, can you imagine seeing the faces of his family and his friends, maybe seeing his own reflection in the water for the first time, not knowing what you look like? I wonder if we would go, oh my goodness, that's what I actually look like. You know, not knowing all those things around them, but he, he saw all these things, but more importantly, he saw Jesus himself too. There is a wonderful drawing upstairs in the children's ministry if you want to go and have a look at it. And Matt said this morning, can you imagine when you get to heaven and you see Jesus and the picture looks like that? It's done by our beautiful little Rosie in children's ministry. She's drawn a picture of Jesus up there. Go and have a little look if that's how you picture Jesus might look. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think so. But anyway, have a look. Um, It's wonderful. It's a lovely little picture that she's done. It's quite hilarious, isn't it, Matt? Um, As she's painted Jesus. But he saw Jesus. Imagine seeing Jesus face to face. What an amazing thing. Um, And I'm sure in that moment, everything in his life kind of fell into perspective. Suddenly, it was all in perspective as he received his healing. So this man, blind from birth, begging on the roadside, had this amazing encounter with Jesus. 
the Bible tells us that Jesus saw a man who was blind from birth. You notice that this blind man, there's different stories in the Bible. Some cried out, some didn't. This man didn't cry out. He didn't shout out Jesus. The Bible says Jesus saw him. He didn't just glance at him, didn't just take a look and keep walking on. Jesus saw him. He noticed him. He saw him not only with his eyes, he saw him with his heart as well. And as Jesus approaches this blind beggar, his disciples were around him, his friends were around him, and they ask him a question. Did anyone pick up what was the question? You can shout it out if you want to. Yeah, who sinned, this man or his parents? What caused it? Basically, it is that question. Why has God allowed this man to suffer? Was it some sin that he's committed? Or was it his own sin? It's kind of like, why do we have the wars that we have at the moment? Why do we have famine? Why do we have um, suffering, poverty? Why are we struggling with illness? And you see, sometimes I think we jump to one of two conclusions. Either we think that God is all-powerful, but he's not all good. He has the power to do it, but he's not all good. He doesn't do it. Or maybe he's all good, but actually he's not all-powerful. We jump to different conclusions. Why doesn't God stop it from happening? And our human nature is often to blame God for the suffering that's in the world. You know, you think about children. If they've done something wrong, it's never their fault. It's always someone else's, even if the biscuit just jumped out the tin on its own into their hand. It's always someone else's fault. There's someone else to blame. They look for someone else to blame. And we all do it. We all do it as human beings, even as adults. We look to blame someone else and put the responsibility on. And it often comes out of our own hurt or our own pain or our own distress that we want to look for a reason why this suffering is happening. And in a broad sense, a very wide sense this evening, all suffering is a result of sin. Now, I want to just burst the bubble this evening that... Um, there sometimes people think that they must have done something wrong for this thing to happen to them. That's not the case. That's not what we're talking about here. What I'm talking about is that suffering, growing old, death, is all a result of the sin that happened right back in the Garden of Eden at the beginning of creation with Adam and Eve. You know that story. Some of you are looking at it at the moment with Andy Wade and having a great time on a Thursday night as you're really digging in deep and exploring that um, even more. It was never God's plan for us to get sick. It was never God's plan um, for us to live in this place of suffering, but because of their disobedience... It affects you and it affects me today, even now today. Romans 5 verse 12 tells us this. It says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. So why did God make it this way? Why did he not just say, I'm going to create these beings so that they will never sin. They'll never do anything wrong. They don't have a choice. Because, quite frankly, we would be a bunch of robots going around telling God we loved him without any real heart in us. Can you imagine if I said to my daughter Freya, sorry, Freya's up there, "Um, tomorrow morning at 11 a.m. at school, I want you to text message me and say, I love you, mum. 
okay? And tomorrow morning, 11 o'clock, my phone goes bing, and I look at it, and there's a message from Freya saying, I love you, Mum. And I'd be like, oh, that's great. But actually, I've told her to do it. I've told her to do it. There isn't much heart in there or much meaning because I've told her to do it. What means so much more to me is when I haven't said anything and I get that message at 11 and it says, I love you, Mum. And then I'm like, oh, she really loves me. She really loves me. There's that, that choice, isn't there, that she's chosen to do it herself. But of course, with a choice to say yes, there's always a choice to say no. There's always the opposite choice. Sometimes God will allow something traumatic to happen to us to wake us up. One of the stories we've looked at many times over many months is the story of Jonah. We all know the story of Jonah. Remember the story of Jonah. God tells him to go to Nineveh. God tells him to go to the preach to the people of Nineveh um, because of their wicked ways. And basically, Jonah says no. I don't want to go. That's not where I want to be, God. That's not where I want to go. They're really bad. They're doing really wicked things. So, you know, they deserve what they're going to get. Okay, this is what Jonah thinks. So Jonah gets on a boat and he goes in the opposite direction and does exactly the opposite to what God is asking him to do. And we know the story. story. A storm comes and uh, they're at risk, their lives are at risk. Jonah gets thrown overboard, he gets swallowed by a great fish, and then he gets spat out, where? On the shore of Nineveh, because that's where God's going to have his way and plan and put him in the right place. And finally, he does what God asks him to do, and there's this huge revival, an amazing transformation of hearts um, for God. Eventually, Jonah did what God was asking him to do. Maybe something has happened to you lately, a bit like Jonah, where you feel like God is getting your attention. He wants your attention. Okay, sometimes a crisis or something happens to us and we turn to God. He wants our attention and we need a bit of a wake-up call. Could God be allowing something into our lives at the moment as a bit of a wake-up call to us? In the case of the blind man, when the disciples asked this question... Why was this man born blind? Was it a result of his sin or those of his parents? Jesus immediately dismissed it. He didn't let them think on that at all. He immediately said, it's not because of his sin or the sin of his parents. He was born blind so the power of God could be seen in his life. So the power of God could be um, obvious for all. And he could have a story that was going to bring transformation. The man's physical um, blindness wasn't a result of some sin or his parents' sin because this man was um, born blind. The disciples immediately assumed that there must be some reason that God had created him this way. He'd been been born blind because of some sin. Many years ago, I was... um, working um, in London um, many, many years ago, um, and one of my jobs was to um, go out three times a week and work with a homeless community, and it was my favourite part of the week. And we used to go out, we used to start work at 11, we used to finish work about three in the morning, and uh, just go around the streets of London taking out tea, coffee and refreshments um, for people. And um, 
One night, one particular night, we were just heading back home. We were under the bull ring at Waterloo, if any of you know that. We were down in the bull ring. Um, it was about half past two in the morning, so we were just ready to finish, really, our shift. And uh, we had a couple of flasks left, and there were some people still asleep under the, under the bull ring. Um, and we were always, it was a really cold night, actually, and we were always told that if people were, like, covered up, just give them a little shake and ask them if they want a tea or coffee, um, because they might be frozen, <laughs> you might be, um, need to warm them up. And this one particular night, we were just heading back, and um, I saw this sleeping bag with the cover of the head, and I just tapped the person and said, would you like a refreshment, would you like a hot drink? And um, this young girl just pulled back her sleeping bag um, from her face. And um, then she pulled back the sleeping bag a bit more. And she'd literally just given birth to a baby that night um, on the streets in London. And she had the baby um, on her chest, still newborn, completely newborn on her chest. Um, and it was just a remarkable moment. Um, thankfully, we had team around us, um, and we came from a shelter. So we were able to take the girl and the baby back to the shelter that night. Um, and the baby, sadly, as many of you will know, was born completely um, addicted to drugs and had to be um, detoxed, um, and they had re rehabilitation as um, a the young woman and the, the baby. And thankfully, in my time there, they, they really thrived um, as they were in the hostel and they got the right support and help that they needed. But this is kind of the idea was that something that the parent had done had caused the baby, the unborn baby, pain in the womb. You know, something that the parent had done had caused that pain. They were questioning this. There was this idea that some sin must have happened for that man to have been born blind. But Jesus turned this question upside down. He turned it around. He challenged them. He said... It wasn't because of sin. It was so the power of God could be seen in that man's life. Do you know, I, I think of that girl often, and I think she never would have experienced the love of Jesus. You know, well, she might have done later on, but in that moment, she really did. She went into a Christian hostel. She got the help she needed. She got the support she needed. The baby got the help it needed. You know, that was the power of God at work on that evening. This was so the power of God could be relieved, revealed in this man's life. And in that moment, that blind man's world was rocked by the power of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the life-changing power that God has. And I just don't think we always realize what we have available to us by the power of the Holy Spirit within us. That same Jesus can change your life today can transform your life today. And there's something else I want us to think about this evening. There is power in your story. There's power in your story. Your story, your testimony of what God has done in your life. There's power in that story. You know, I was chatting to someone, another church leader, and we were talking about how difficult it is to reach people for Jesus, how difficult it is in our community today to see lives transformed by Jesus. And then we were talking around it, talking around the subject, talking about what we do. And then it, we kind of came to the revelation, how often do I talk about Jesus 
with people? How often are we talking about Jesus? We talk about um, the, the help we can offer, the clothes bank, the food bank. These are all fantastic things. Don't get me wrong. These are meeting practical needs in order to meet um, a spiritual need. But how often when someone's in the food bank or how often when someone's in the clothes bank do I talk about Jesus? How often is my story the first thing on my lips to say, you might have this need, but actually a greater need. I know that Jesus can transform your situation. The blind man received his sight and it was the talk of the streets. Imagine if tomorrow morning St. Peter Port was buzzing with gossip about what was happening here because there'd been lives transformed by the love of Jesus. And there were also cynics. You know, we saw on the video people saying, that's not the same man. That's not the same man as the beggar on the street. And he's saying, hey, yeah, look, it is me. It's me. It's, you know, it was me. I was blind, but now I see. That's what he said. He gave his account. And when the Jewish leaders, they started questioning him in disbelief, they were saying, it can't be you. It can't be the same man. You know what I love about his story? He doesn't embellish it. He doesn't try and make it sound grander than it was. He simply said, all I know, all I know is that I was blind and now I see. He doesn't understand all about Jesus. He doesn't really know who Jesus was or is. But all he said was, I was blind and now I see. And that was his story. And in 1 Peter, we're told to do the same. We're told to be ready to give an account of the hope that is within us. To be ready to give an account of the hope that is in us. And this Christmas, we have some amazing opportunities to do that. To share Jesus with people. To share our story with people. Do you know your story will make a real difference? It will make a massive difference to people's lives. And we're going to do a bit of practical, practical whatever tonight. Have a go at this, okay? I believe it's really important that we know how to respond to people, that we know how to tell our story, because your story is powerful. They can say, I don't believe in God, I don't want to hear that, but they can't dispute what Jesus has done in your life. They can't dispute what you know, what you feel, what you've experienced. That is true to you. And it's interesting. It's intriguing. It's exciting. You know, you're telling them something that is quite different to maybe what they've heard before. And so we're going to have a little practice. I'm going to ask Cadenza. Can you just put a little thing on the screen? Three simple sentences. Okay. What was my life like before? How did I come to know Jesus? And what's my life like now after? I was blind, Jesus came along, and now I see. can be as simple as that, okay? And try and keep it to less than, definitely less than two minutes, okay? That's about, <laughs> that's about how much time you've got to capture someone's attention. I have practiced and practiced and practiced this at home over the years. And I tell you, the best way I do it now is to light a match and I hold a match up, and I have to tell my story before my fingers get burnt, okay? Otherwise, I know that it's, that it's too long. I haven't, I've lost their attention. Okay, so think for a moment. I'm going to give you a few moments just to think about that and pause and think. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you 
to share that with the person. Next. We'll set a time of two minutes, and I'm going to ask you to share it with the person next to you, and then them to share the story back um, with you. If you are new and you think, actually, I don't know anything about this, then I want you to say to the person next to you, I don't know anything about this, tell me your story. And then you can tell them afterwards, that was great, that was rubbish, you need to work on that. Okay, you can be really honest and try and, try and uh, be, see how we can improve on telling our stories. Okay, so have a little think about it for a moment. Come on. Yeah, okay, now, so see if you can find yourself a pair or a three. If you find it easier, just turn and be with someone. Um, and um, then I'm going to set the timer. I'm going to say go. And then off we go, okay? So choose who's going first. Ready? Go. Okay, time up. Time up. Fantastic. Well done. Brilliant. Okay, you all have lots to say. You obviously all have lots in your story, which is really exciting and really good. Um, can I just encourage you to think about it at home, uh, work on it, okay, and maybe even write it down. Um, it may not come naturally, so pray about it. Pray about what, what you think you should say. Um, learn it, okay? I know it might sound a bit funny, but learn it. Um, and then pray for opportunities to use it. Ask God every morning, Help me to use my story and give me opportunities to see those opportunities. Give me eyes to see the opportunities that you're placing before me. Um, we all have a story, and it's great to hear the, the, the chatter. There's a tragic part to this story, though, that we've looked at this evening. The healing of the blind man is a miracle, and it's one that um, we celebrate and we look at and we think that's an amazing miracle. However, the blind man was um, physically blind. But after his encounter with Jesus, as I said, he could both physically see and he could see spiritually as well. The Pharisees, however, they could see physically, but they couldn't see spiritually. They were spiritually blind um, because of their denial of who Jesus really was. I recently heard um, a story of someone who said to me um, that before they were a Christian, um, they had some great friends, really great Christian friends, and they had heard the gospel. They, they were, they'd, you know, given them tracts, you know, the old sort of um, little leaflets that we used to give out with the gospel message on it. They had been given Bibles. They'd had everything given to them. And they said, I just longed for someone to talk to me about God. I longed for someone to talk to me about Jesus. Um, and thankfully, um, God, by his grace, that person has come and, and does know Jesus now and is, is great, um, a Christian for many years. But they said before they were Christian, they just longed for someone just to explain things to them, to talk about Jesus, to talk about God with them, because they were really interested and they just wanted someone to talk about God. They couldn't work it out for themselves. Um, and they described themselves as being spiritually blind. That was the words that they used. I was spiritually blind, and I just needed someone to help me to see. We need to pray that God would open eyes, that God would open eyes, maybe even our own eyes sometimes, to see who he really is. 
this blind beggar, he had his life transformed by Jesus. And in return, other lives were transformed by his story, by what Jesus had done. And in um, a world full of suffering, of pain, anxiety, we need to be introducing people to the God of the miraculous, to the God who does miracles. And, you know, I know there's a lot of talk at the moment, and I don't know, we don't know if we're living in end times or not, but we should live as though we are. We should at least live as though we are, that we want to make the most of every opportunity to tell people about Jesus. We should at least live making the most of every opportunity. And I believe at the moment we have a greater opportunity than ever before because of people's feelings of they're afraid, they're worried, and they know that the world is suffering. People are looking, people are seeking, they're in need of hope. I say it all the time, they're in need of family, they're in need of community. That's what people need more than anything. What can we do? What can we do to help people? How can we look for these opportunities to share our story with those around us? So what we're going to do now, the band is coming back up now. Brilliant. The band's going to come back up and they're going to um, start to lead us in worship. Um, and they're just going to be singing along. Um, but <laughs> they're not just going to sing along, they're going to sing along, and we are going to pray. We're going to pray. And then when you finish praying, you can join in with the band worshipping. Is that good, Simon? Happy with that? Um, it doesn't work. Um, so um, what I'm going to ask is the person that you shared your story with, or the people around you, or if you didn't have an opportunity to share your story, just... If you're, if you're around people, just grab people into your little group. Can you just pray? We're going to stand. If you're able, can you stand now? Thank you. Um, and um, just pray for one another that God would use your story. Pray for each other that this year God would use your story, that you would have opportunities, that you would wake up tomorrow morning, you'd go to your place of work, and the first thing someone would say to you was, oh, what did you do this weekend? And you wouldn't see that as, oh, I did the garden, I did this. You'd be able to say, that's my opportunity. I went to church on Sunday night and I did this and this happened. That we would see the opportunities. It'd be like a Holy Spirit enlightening moment to see the opportunities, okay? So um, as the band play and the band worship, we'll pray and then we'll join them back in worship as we finish. Does that make sense? Great.